Hi, I'm your host, Barrington Miller, and welcome to another edition of Hashtag Finance, brought to you by Public Entrepreneur. Today, I'm here with Jay Waterman from Blockstation. Um, Jay Waterman is the Chief Enterprise Architect of Blockstation. And what does that mean? What do you do? Well, Blockstation basically is an enterprise turnkey solution so that stock exchanges can basically offer digital assets. And our platform basically allows the entire ecosystem, so the stock exchange, the depository, the brokers, the investors, as well as the regulators, to all get into that system to have a fair, compliant marketplace for the future of what securities will be. So I read that you're the inventor and creator of cross-company automation. Um, I tried reading about what it was, and (laughs) I think it's best to just have you explain what you invented. (laughs) Okay, cool. So, I mean, uh, basically, if you just just imagine, if I send you an invoice, you've got to go and have your bookkeeper enter that invoice as a bill, right? Mm -hmm. And then, um, so what we did with cross-company automation is we connect the different companies together. So if I invoice you, that can automatically be your bill, right? And when you make your payment, that automatically becomes my receive payment. And then we can also write all these transactions to the blockchain so that everything becomes very transparent and everything is reconciled, not only internally with one company, but across all companies. And so it makes auditing processes more efficient and it also reduces errors and time spent on bookkeeping. So this is the... Uh, the basis of Blockstation, or no? What? That's actually that's actually what kind of got me into Blockstation because okay. I was uh, doing this automation process, and we can automate the payments as well. Like in Canada, we have EFT. Mm-hmm. In the U.S., you have ACH. But internationally, there's no option, right? Right. So when I learned about Bitcoin and its abilities to transfer money, you know, internationally, I was like, whoa. This is something that's going to actually allow this cross-company automation to, to, to really work internationally. I just need to get this, uh, this blockchain thing you know, mainstream. And that was kind of where Blockstation came into the picture of starting to develop this for the stock exchanges, which is the center of the financial industry. When did, when did all of this start to come together? Like how long has Blockstation been around? So it started uh, developing back in 2014. Um, and it started with the idea of, you know, initially the idea just to help that cross-company automation process. As I dug in and got more into it, um, of course, it <laughs> turned into something a lot more than what was expected. And uh, we started to work with the stock exchanges and learn about how the depository and their, you know, how they have to keep custody of, of the assets in order to make sure to uh, mitigate the settlement risk. And uh, basically, step by step, kind of building out all the different pieces of the ecosystem to make everything work together in a turnkey solution. Um, it's it, it turned out to be a lot more than, <laughs> than what I signed up for, <laughs> but uh, very very happy with the results. And it's basically you know helping to to move stock exchanges into the future. Uh, speaking about moving stock exchanges into the future, there's a few. Um, few letters that are being thrown around, ICOs, STOs. Uh, can you speak a little bit about it Let's, uh, for the people that may not know what an ICO or an STO is? So ICO is what we call an initial coin offering. And you know, they were, uh, they're basically like kind of, you can say it's kind of like the idea of an IPO, except for these are coins on the blockchain. 
Now, the problem that happened with the ICOs is that it was in a completely unregulated environment. Um, you know, people who were buying these coins didn't necessarily have any rights. So if you bought shares in a company, you have maybe some voting rights, you have ownership, you have mm -hmm. these different things. But with the ICO, you didn't necessarily have anything at all. Um, and so this is a big problem, as well as you had no regulation, no oversight, and it wasn't in safe environments. So you had people doing scams, some people getting ripped off. Um, and But what was great about it was what it demonstrated was the power of the blockchain, essentially. And what it showed is that if you're raising capital using blockchain technology, suddenly you can open your doors and be very inclusive in terms of who can participate. For example, if uh, somebody in, let's say, India wanted to participate in an in a, in a offering that was happening in Canada, and they wanted to do a bank transfer, it might cost them $100 to send $100. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. But with the blockchain, if you were sending some Bitcoin or Ethereum, that $100 might cost you 50 cents. So suddenly you open up the doors and companies are suddenly raising tens of millions, hundreds of millions of dollars. Now, if we take that and we put it in a proper regulated environment with the correct compliance, the right oversight in the, you know, with the stock exchanges, now we can create something we call a STO, security token offering, where people can have trust in what they're buying because they understand that the stock exchange is involved. They understand that there's security because the depository is you know holding on to the to the assets they understand there's regulatory oversight they're making the deposits with broker dealers and so everything changes when you put it in a in a nice regulated environment and uh another cool thing about the the STOs for example is the power to mitigate risk for the regulators for uh things like uh insider trading okay mm -hmm. so let's say Martha Stewart, one of the most famous insider trading situations. And we're just using this as an example. Just we're not example. just, just pull the name out of the air. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, you know, unfortunately for the, the consumers who are not insiders, they're going to find out about these things three months, six months, a year later after they've already lost their value. With the blockchain, just imagine that we could put all insiders uh, uh, tokens inside of a marked wallet. Okay. And once we see an insider or the regulators see an insider move their tokens onto the exchange for trading, everybody knows in real time. So it also gives the regulators a lot of power and a lot of risk mitigation as well as the, the end investors. It gives them protection because they can see what's going on. So there's all these things that are built into the blockchain that makes it a lot more powerful. Uh, when I last saw you during a, a presentation uh, that you gave um you were using some props. You were using some ski masks and burglars <laughs> entering and um, and the, and the like, which uh, which we can't really get through on a on a podcast. But if you uh, if you if you get a chance to reenact it at some point, uh, I'm sure the audience would appreciate it. Um, why are ICOs dying and STOs are the future? Well, ICOs are dying again because of that regulatory compliant, uh, you know, compliance that was missing in it, right? You had companies that were spinning up, putting out these ICOs. People were excited about it because of the technology, the blockchain behind it. So they kind of just rushed in, kind of like the internet boom, right? People get excited and they do things without necessarily thinking. And so when people realize that, hey, I'm buying this coin and I don't have any rights, 
there's not, nothing behind this company, there's no protection, then after a while, this is going to eventually die off naturally as things come to the light. Uh, and what, but again, what that showed is it showed the traditional financial institutions and the stock exchanges that, hey, this is a powerful mechanism for raising capital. Even though these ICO guys were bandits and masks and all that <laughs> kind of stuff, uh, they, it kind of opened up everybody's eyes into what the potential could be. And for, you know, for issuers who want to raise capital, issuers want to open their doors and raise capital from and, you know, have a bigger reach. Right. And one of the things the blockchain provides is that transparency. So if I'm a, if I'm an investor and I want to, you know, know a company's market cap. And a traditional stock exchange, we have a quarterly reporting. Mm-hmm. So I might know what the, the market cap is three, four months in arrears. But with the blockchain, as new tokens are issued, I can know that in real time. This is just an example of the transparency, right? Right. So as an investor, I like the transparency. And so I'm more likely to invest in a company that provides that transparency. And so issuers like it. Because not only that transparency, but it's efficient. It opens it up to the world where they can now, you know, um, take in funds from com- uh, from companies and people across the globe. And of course, stock exchanges want to support the issuers. So the stock exchanges now, including, you know, I know the CSC is yeah, working on have, their blockchain uh, solution. And, um, uh, you know, that's one thing I, I really admire is when stock exchanges are actually taking the initiative to do something. It's, it's awesome. What are the challenges? Uh, what are the challenges going to be of making this uh, STO's mainstream? I think the the main challenge is is the education part, um, because what happens is when we go into a new region, the uh, regulators generally have a misconception of what the blockchain is. They think that it's something where it's completely anonymous, but the reality is the blockchain gives us the most transparent, um, you know, ledger in the world. So we look at it in terms of there's three levels of transparency in terms of a transaction. The lowest level, we call it opaque. Imagine a guy goes into the bank, he deposits his cash. Where'd you get here it from? Comes, here comes the mask again. I got again. it from my uncle. <laughs> 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 we don't know where you got it from, right? Right. And then you got translucent, right? This is like a bank wire, okay? So wire comes in and the bank can clearly see it came from, let's say, China, okay? Uh, we don't really know exactly where it came from beyond that without deep digging and then you got the blockchain with the blockchain in the right framework you cannot just only see that it came from china or from china it came from let's say malaysia and from malaysia it came from north korea which was sanctioned and so as an institution we can see that hey you know what we're not necessarily comfortable with this transaction or we're not comfortable with this client and then they can do something in terms of risk mitigation and so when we demonstrate that like actually on the software, we demonstrate that to the regulators, then they're like, whoa, when they realize that they have better transparency, better risk mitigation, better uh, ability to uh, regulate and uh, protect the consumers, then that blockage goes away. So this is, that's the number one thing is educating the regulators. I think the second thing is the legacy systems. So a lot of uh, stock exchanges, uh, brokers, they already have their legacy systems. They spent a lot of time and money on it. So it's not so easy for them to just switch over. It's actually easier to go into a region where there's, there's you know, mm-hmm. less or, or, or nothing at all. And we can spin everything up in a couple of days. Uh, 
all, all the processes and procedures kind of follow the same thing that the existing ecosystem follows. So the learning curve is, is low. And again, the, the, I think those are the two main challenges is that education part and, um, you know, having guys kind of let go of the legacy systems. Now, if I'm just sort of uh, jumping around, if how long would it take you or Blockstation to set up um, at a at a stock exchange to uh, say you had a, a system that's been in place for 50 years, 75 years, and then Blockstation comes in, does an analysis, um, does it matter, does it depend, is there, a, is there like a cookie cutter? Uh, our favorite thing to do is, is, is if there's a system already in place, keep that system running and set up a parallel system. So we actually did a case study in Barbados where we went and we trained uh, the brokers, the stock exchange, the depository, as well as presenting to the regulators to get their approval to go forward. And we did this all in five days where everybody was comfortable in terms of clearing, settlement, trading, monitoring, everything together. Again, this is because we modeled things after what's already existing, right? The difference is we added the blockchain into it to give the that extra boost per se. Um, so again, we could actually do it within five days. Uh, there's no issue from a technology perspective. It's more like uh, how long is it going to take for everybody to come on board? And how long is it going to take for the regulators to give that green light to move forward, let's say, into a pilot stage? Block, uh, the blockchain's been around for uh, for a lot longer than people realize, um, but it's only seems recently that they're really catching on for all its uses. I've been telling people that it's not necessarily there to make people money, but it's to save people money and to become more efficient. And uh, I think people are starting to really catch on to that. Um, will they replace conventional financial instruments or exist alongside sort of like how you build Blockstation parallel with the other exchanges? The way I look at it is kind of like a, a newspaper or a magazine and, you know, moving to having a website. Mm -hmm. So, you know, you're still going to have some newspapers and magazines that exist, but ultimately the majority of the content is on the web. And there's obviously because the web has more efficiency. Is less cost, of course, right? Mm -hmm. uh, so it's the exact same thing that I see with the blockchain is that we're going to have some securities that will remain in paper, some will re remain in its existing digital form, and some, the majority of them will eventually move to the blockchain. What about hacking? <laughs> Security. <laughs> um, those are those are all buzzwords, cyber, cybersecurity, cybercrime. Um, will somebody hack the blockchain? and take all my shares while it's in transit. I'm just using very <laughs> examples, but uh, I think you get what I'm, yeah, what I'm trying to say. That's a great question. So, I mean, with uh, security tokens, so, I mean, let's, let's say something like Bitcoin, right? Uh, with Bitcoin, if you lost your private keys, then unfortunately you're, you would be out of luck, okay? Mm -hmm. Or if somebody hacked and got your private keys, you'd be out of luck. So with Blockstation, what we do is we make sure it's impossible to hack. Right? Can Impossible. Any, yeah. Can, can <laughs> You're some, like, yeah. Can somebody hack this piece of paper? It's not online. Right. You can't hack something that's online. So simply you keep it offline and it can't be hacked. Now it could be stolen, 
And so what you do to, pre- to, to prevent or mitigate that risk is you distribute, you have a distributed key system. So you have five keys distributed across multiple entities. So for example, the broker might have a key, the stock exchange has a key, the depository has a key, we have a key. And so you need, th- for example, three out of five keys to sign. So even if, you know, God forbid, one of those guys in the ski bass came in and said, give me all your private keys. Give me all your keys. Well, they're not going to get anything because they're going to have to do an Ocean's 11, Ocean's 12 situation, <laughs> be in multiple places, multiple countries at the same time, get the keys. It, it, it's extremely difficult. And so the processes that we put in place allows us to have 100% insurance against those digital assets, which is awesome. Uh, which is actually more than you have on your cash inside of trading accounts, apparently, mm-hmm. which is, I, I learned that recently. <laughs> CDIC and FDIC, they don't, they don't uh, insure cash in trading accounts, which was interesting. So, so in terms of security, you know, th- that's, that's locked down. And with security tokens, we have the ability to burn the old tokens and issue new ones. So if you said, hey, my to- you know, I lost my keys or somebody stole my keys or whatever the case is, we could say, okay, you know what? All the all of your tokens in that address, we're going to burn them and we're going to reissue new ones. How do you burn them? Uh, so- you- <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I'm... I'm, I'm, I'm just, a, I'm, just a lighter. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm looking at the paper. Can I hack the paper? I'll just burn the paper. Yes. Um, so there's a, there's a... Basically, it's a... There's a... I guess a method on the blockchain that... that uh, on the on our 884 protocol. So, for example, with the Ethereum's 884 protocol, we're able to burn uh, burn the old ones and issue new ones. So, just like you can issue them, you can put them back into the treasury per se. Who benefits from adopting STOs? I think the entire ecosystem. I think that basically, first of all, I think the the issuer is number one. Okay. Because they are creating their uh, their their company to be more transparent, okay. They're opening themselves up to be able to raise more capital or at a better valuation because they have a, a bigger pool of capital that they can raise. Uh, so that's more beneficial for them. Um, they have um, the investors; it benefits them because again, they can have more transparency into what they're doing uh, or what they're investing in. Also, they can invest in more opportunities. There's a whole bunch of illiquid assets that are now going to become very liquid with the blockchain. Things such as, you know, it could be uh, properties. So just imagine you got a building that you bought. It's going to be locked up for some period of time mm-hmm. until it gets to a certain phase. That could be trading on a daily basis where you could be going in and out and have the liquidity. You have, uh, let's say, publishing rights. Usually these kind of publishing rights contracts are worth huge amounts of money. And they sit there until a new big buyer comes along. These could be trading on a regular basis. So there's a lot of different assets that are not liquid that will suddenly become liquid. And these investors can now get in. It makes it more inclusive. It's more beneficial to the stock exchange because, again, it makes the clearing and settlement process a lot better and more transparent. And I I believe it's more secure as well. Um, which is you guys must have the same uh, thought process, which is why you guys are going down that road. Absolutely. And so um, it benefits the, the, you know, the stock exchange as well. Uh, Benefits the regulators. Again, they have stronger uh, transparency in terms of transactions. 
they have the more ability to prevent insider trading. Um, they have uh, all these different tools that are uh, available them, to them through the blockchain, which they wouldn't have in a traditional, uh, traditional manner. So Blockstation has announced some new projects. Uh, I guess the big one is with the Jamaican Stock Exchange. Would you care to, uh, to tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, we've been working with the Jamaica Stock Exchange for probably about a year and a half now. Uh, and basically, we went through a number of phases from beta to testing to, to actually a live pilot. And uh, the stage that we're moving into right now is, is uh, phase two of the live pilot, uh, where the broker dealers will start accepting retail clients to set up accounts and start trading Bitcoin and Ethereum on the stock exchange, which is really cool. Wow. No, that's awesome. Um when I was doing a little bit of background research, I came across a an estimated valuation for a blockchain, which you promptly corrected me on. Um, so at the time, it said it was about forty one million. And uh, can you tell us where you're at now? So our valuation right now is uh, around fifty million US. Um, so we're just uh, completing a capital raise right now, actually. Uh, uh, two phases we're doing an internal family and friends for one million and then we're going to do another capital raise for four million dollars uh and we're and then after that we want to be uh one of the first security token offerings on a national stock exchange which we're set up to do because we're working with all these stock exchanges around the world (laughs) (laughs) well i know one that might be interested in that (laughs) thank you jay for taking the time to tell us a little bit about blockstation and stos and ICOs and <laughs> the entire like. Um, this has been another episode of Hashtag Finance. I'm your host, Barrington Miller, and I was here with Jay Waterman. Thank you. Hi, it's Grace from the CFC reminding you to make sure to follow us on social media for the latest updates on our listed companies as well as new listing alerts. For more in-depth content, be sure to pick up our free quarterly magazine, Public Entrepreneur, available online at the CSC.com. Thank you.